Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back to our series of the five dysfunctions of a team. We are spending time this series talking to you about the five dysfunctions of a team, what they are, and how you can not be dysfunctional amongst your team. And so we're continuing with our second episode in the series, and we're going to talk about the fear of conflict. Michelle, gosh, conflict. We kind of highlighted a little bit of this in the last episode, but conflict, that's pretty deep. It is pretty deep. You know, there are crazy quotes about conflict. There, It's written in songs, like, why can't we all just get along mm-hmm. kind of stuff. You're taught, you're taught here as well. You guys, I talked about this when it comes to being vulnerable from that trust perspective, that we're taught not to show our weaknesses, to focus on our strengths. We're also taught that it's easier not uh, to be in conflict. And let's be honest, the people who weren't taught that, they probably ended up in really cool gigs like lawyers or you know something where, where their entire job is to possibly take a difference of opinion or to argue a point with someone else, right? But you know, to echo back to the first dysfunction of a team, which is the lack of trust, um, if you lack trust, you'll never be able to accomplish unfiltered, passionate debate about the things that matter. And this is another one of those places where your peers will help teach you when it's worth it to have the passionate debate um, and when it's easier just to create fake harmony and go along with the group, right? You really do with conflict, you really do start to weigh, can I deal with the emotional outburst that is about to happen and is getting my point across or my point of view across, worth what I'm going to have to deal with. We discourage it. You know, in all aspects, typically, of the workforce, um, we ask that people not bring conversations to work that could cause conflict. Like, we're purposely taking conversations around religion and race and politics, and we said, don't do those things at work. And I'm a big, big fan of this particular kind of value or tenet. I talked about it in the last episode, the one to passionately discuss. And then regardless of whether what the outcome is, we all leave united, but we create stuff like that and we abuse it in a way to say you're, you're not agreeing or you are the problem because you have a difference of opinion. And then we put those people debating or having a different point of view in the bad light. They suddenly get all of the bad attention on them, which is super crazy to me. I guarantee organizations, maybe one day we should research this as we're working with our clients. I guarantee organizations or departments that are working to create that fake niceness that happens in corporate America, (laughs) I guarantee they also struggle with diversity, equity, and inclusion too. Because if they were truly allowing differences of thought in the conversation, then things would have already gotten a little uncomfortable and they would have gotten used to it, right? Um, We're going to do a research 
paper on that because I guarantee, guarantee we're going to find it. Guarantee. Because if you had diversity, equity, and inclusion, you would have already had that, right? We create environments where you can't just openly talk about what you disagree with. You're, you're sort of tagged as the problem pupil. I, so two things, actually, I struggle for this with most of my, for most of my career, because I always had this tendency to go, but what, or when we do this. And I think it came from the fact that before entering OD and HR, I started in operations. So I was the person that had to execute on all the crazy programs that someone in a corporate office designed, right? And so one of the things that I committed to when I stepped into that corporate office was that I would constantly ask about, but how is it going to work in the real world? How is it going to work when you have one person working and you've got a line of 12 customers And you're saying that you must spend X amount of time consulting with every one of those customers, right? You just lost the last six because they're not going to wait in line. And now we're in trouble because we're losing business. And then the third person in line is tapping their feet and yelling at you, right? I always said that I would go into it questioning everything. Um, And that came very natural to me. And I think it is because of the way I entered HR. And it wasn't until I worked on a a team where the leader was trying to implement a culture of conflict. And she introduced us to a video. It was a TED Talk video, um, Margaret Heffernan, and it's called Dare to Disagree. And in this, she's actually a cancer researcher. And she hired a person whose only job was to try to prove everything she found to be wrong. Their only job was to argue with everything she discovered. Um, And the reason that she put that person in place, it feels counterintuitive, right? Because she needs her research to be picked up. She needs people to see that her research is doing stuff because as a researcher, she's relying on grants. She's relying on funding. She's relying on people to invest in her. But she's got this person that's going to shoot down every idea she has. The reason she hired that person was because she wanted her solution to actually fix cancer. And so if you constant in her mind, if she constantly had this person that was willing to challenge everything she came up with, if they couldn't challenge it, they did all of their work and there was no challenge, maybe it meant that what she discovered was going to be successful. If they were able to find a reason that what she had was wrong, it meant that she got to redirect quickly instead of being 10 to 20 years down the testing phase of the process before they go, oh shit, it's not going to work. Let's scrap it and start all over. And that was, it was actually, it was incredible when my leader shared that video with our entire group. Cause I was like, oh my God, that's what I do. Maybe <laughs> not for cancer, but that's really what, and I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't explain that what I was trying to do was find out where every hole was so we could plug the holes so that when it was released, it didn't sink. Most 
environments do not create a culture that allows you to push back like that. They don't. It's super interesting because you have so many people leaders that really they continue with the practices they've observed. And it's good to have healthy conflict. It's good to bring something like that to the table. So I'm super impressed with that people leader that brought that video to the table to open up and have the team challenge each other. Because I think conflict, it's healthy. It's interesting because I talk about how I absolutely personally hate conflict and that's in my personal life. But at work, I challenge the process each and every time I get because I need to first understand, but then secondly, I need to make sure something successful is executed. So I think that is the critical component. You know, you can be uncomfortable with conflict in your personal life, but it's not going to work if you can't do it in your day-to-day with your team members. So let me ask you a question. What do you do as, let's start with the individual before we talk about the leader. What do you do as an individual if you have reached a point where you're like, I can't fight this battle anymore. Every single thing feels like a battle. And for the record, I love conflict in all places including I'm less likely to do it in my personal life because I have to spend the rest of my life with those people. <laughs> um, so those tend to happen um, at the wrong times and they're, they're blowups for sure. Um, but at work, totally all always been a little more comfortable with pushing that envelope. But what if you have become that person who's like, I can't do it anymore. I feel like I'm the only one fighting to make sure we have the best possible decision. Maybe. I mean, I I guess there's also a fine line on when you then look like a disgruntled current employee. Right. (laughs) Where you're just complaining to complain and having conflict to have conflict. So if you come from a good place and it's not ill intent, um, I think you can continue challenging. But I think there's also... gosh, there's such a way of doing it to where it doesn't seem like you are trying to be difficult all the time, but that you are trying to understand and make sure the whole team is successful as a whole. But I think when everybody is just getting tired of the way that you're literally challenging the process and bringing that to the table, there's got to be an approach that you're taking that's not successful where you just give up. But I think you need to take a new approach or you need to help the team understand where you're coming from. I don't think the solution is to shut down. You know, it's interesting that you say this because I've seen this a number of times on LinkedIn and I wish I could give credit to the person that said it, but I don't know who it was. I've just seen the quote a number of times and it's that the biggest concern uh, for any organization should be when your most passionate people become your quietest. Like you said, as the individual, you got to keep trying. You've got to say it in a different way so that people hear you differently. But as a leader, I want to talk about that quote in particular. As a leader, when you see that person that used to be passionate and on fire, you've got to start asking yourself what happened. Um, so what are your thoughts from the, the responsibility a leader owns in this? 
I think, yeah, they need to be observant because I will say I had come to a point in one of my positions a long ago where I gave up. I shut down. I was quiet, right? I was that person that they're talking about. And the leader literally had no clue. They just felt like I was busy or something else was going on. They literally had no clue that I had come to a point where I shut down. You know, it's funny that you say that. I I feel like at times, because I've had that throughout my career as well, where I've shut down. Um, and I almost feel like that the leader is, <laughs> they've got to be sitting there going, yes, they finally drank the Kool-Aid. Um, when in reality, the opposite is true. They're, they're Now they're disconnecting. They're apathetic about stuff. Um, but I really do imagine in those situations that that leader's like, whoa, took them long enough to get there, <laughs> right? Because it feels like that when they're that oblivious to a change in someone like that, what could they possibly be thinking? Yeah, so I think they need to be observant. But at the same time, I think they also need to create an area where there is conflict. I think sometimes you just have to have a good bitch session about what's going on in the company and how to fix it. Like in HR, we do that. We talk about, let's just complain for a minute about everything that's going on because then we're not going to identify the problems if we don't talk about the problems, right? So you have to like create some opportunity for people to just complain and have conflict and be like, no, this is not working. But at the same time, your team has to trust each other enough to be able to state the concerns amongst each other or amongst the d- different departments, right? You you have to be able to call out Susie on your team and be like, you know what? Susie talks crap all the time or Susie's taking this project 80% of the way and I continuously have to take it the other 20% and I am tired of it. I am tired of covering Susie's back. I have 150% on my plate I don't have time to track Susie across the finish line each and every time. Now, I am a team player and I'm willing to help out Susie most of the time. But right now, I've got way too much on my plate and we just need to figure this out. Susie needs to finish her jobs because she doesn't finish any of them. No offense, Susie. Love you. But we just got it. We got to make it happen. How do we help? (laughs) It's tough. That's conflict, though. It's conflict. It is tough. It is tough. It, it, It is conflict. But there's there's times where I've had leaders do that. Like, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And there are crickets. So as a leader, you have to start off with something and talk about something that you're aware of and acknowledge it um, so that individuals can talk further about it. Agreed. Agreed. But this is probably one of um, they're all all of these are um, interconnected as we go through these dysfunctions. Um, And it is one of those places where as an individual and as a leader, it's time to sit down and start asking yourself some serious questions. You know, start with, do I have trust on my team? And then dig into that. For example, um, is this a safe environment where people feel like they can say something without feeling attacked? So even starting with that trust. But that also means you as an employee, you've got to look at that as well. And you've got to say, what part of it do you own? What can you do different? Um, How can you show up different that might demonstrate you're looking for a team that trusts each other? The same with that fear of conflict. How can you show up as an individual 
even if it might not go the way you want it to. Stay true to who you are. Now, if you're going to change, you know, we talked about this when we talked about the reality of not being able to leave a job because of the situation you're in. I do think that you have to come to a point where you either embrace that this is the culture you live in or you've got to do something about it. Um, and that something could be talk to your boss, talk to your peers, or find a new job, right? Or you embrace that this is where you work, one or the other. Pretty much. Those are the options. I think that's what you do. I think as a leader, you also need to give your team room to speak. A lot of the times, leaders like to speak up. I'll give the example of, um, you know, when you're in an executive meeting, you're sitting there and you're observing if you're ever have an opportunity to not be an executive and be in the room. And then the CEO speaks up and says his opinion or his thought right away. All you see is a trickle down of other leaders that are completely agreeing. All of his direct reports are just like, yep, that's the best idea ever. Absolutely. Let's do that. Let's do this. This is the direction we should go. I mean, who's going to sit there and be like, sorry, CEO. Right. I disagree with you. And here's the 10 reasons why. No one will tell the emperor that they are naked. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so you it, need to be it, quiet first and allow your direct reports to speak up before you say something. And you know what? That's really hard to do sometimes. I'm not going to lie. It's really hard to do. It is. I struggle with that myself. But I would say the the opposite. I, you know, I've totally worked for people who remain silent, leaders who remain silent to let the group kind of work it out. And then when you work it out, they go, no, that's not what I wanted. So I think you, you as the leader, you've got to decide, is this situation a time to collaborate? Or do you have a vision that you have, um, that you're not going to agree with anything other than that vision? Because those are, the, those are the situations where you need to just come right out and say, here's what I want it to look like, or here's what I expect as a result of this next project and give people the details um, so that you're not setting them up for failure. So I do think it is a balance. You have to be thoughtful of when you are willing to let people take a chance and possibly fail. But if you're going to just come back and say, that is not what I wanted, then just go ahead and tell people what you wanted and don't debate. Don't have a debate. If you're if you're not going to let the debate matter. Totally agree. Yeah. This one is a hard one for most people, right? All you can do is try. All you can do is try and continue. Agreed. Fantastic. Well, that is a inside look into fear of conflict. If obviously you all would like us to facilitate this complete course for you, feel free to reach out to us at realtalent.com. Otherwise, continue listening because we'll give you another sneak peek into our next dysfunction, which is lack of commitment. Stay tuned, everyone. Take care.